Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Peace Podcast, episode 46, and it feels like only yesterday that we did episode 45, but it wasn't, it was today, so we're just back again, and that's fine. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, I need to get the business bit out of the way. You can support us by going to speechofelevenrecords.com. Um, it's independent hip-hop, and it's a label that we've got people like Sage Francis. We've got the new album from B. Dolan out on Friday, July 10th. It's absolutely amazing. You will have seen the new video, Jailbreak, with um, B. Dolan, Aesop Rock, and Buck 65. This is hip-hop royalty right here. Um, that album comes out July 10th. You can buy it at speechofelevenrecords.com, unless you're in America, in which case you can buy it from Strange Famous Records, the greatest label in the world. Um... To be honest, buying it from there does not help this podcast at all, but that's fine because you don't need to. It's about the music and it's about independent hip-hop and this is very much a strange, famous release and a record. So we at Speech Development are just pleased and proud to be involved in that. So check us out, speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We've got loads of good stuff on there. We've got T-shirts, CDs, we've got mugs, we've got barbecue aprons, all sorts of craziness. Check that out. But on to today's episode. Um, If you listen to the first one with POS you'll know that um, I got to record this kind of before in between and kind of during sound check of their of their of one of their London shows um, of the Doomtree shows so apologies for any noise in fact when I was interviewing Dessa it's a bit quieter than when I was interviewing POS because when I was interviewing POS the um, support act was sound checking so it gets a bit noisy in this one there's some electrical like kind of machines humming in the corner because that's where all the the downstairs system is powered from there was a window open because damn it was hot so you hear some cars you'll hear all sorts it'll be a real you know if this was a scripted teleplay people would have spent a fortune to make all that noise in the background but you're getting that noise in the background absolutely free um and, and a woogie who mixes and masters will be pulling his hair out a little bit because he likes everyone to sound perfect but it's all right. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be beautiful. Um, it, it was great to get to sit down and talk to Dessa. Weird. Only really met w- once at South by Southwest Festival a long while ago, and it was pretty cool because I'd heard of her and hadn't seen much of her stuff. And then I saw her do uh, or perform as part of a rhyme stage sh- showcase with POS and and, and the Doomtree crowd. Um, and I thought it was awesome. So. I was then off to do the Strange Famous Showcase and it was a weird situation because Dan Lassac was meant to be there with me and then a few days before he'd got like swine flu and was told he wasn't allowed to fly. So like, I was like, right, I've got tickets. I'll go out there and we'll f- figure something out. I cancelled all the shows that me and Dan were lined up to do at South by Southwest except for the Strange Famous sh- Showcase, which I did with a CD backing track, which was tough and painful to do because as many of you will know, the... It took us years to get rid of the illusion that, that Dan Lassac was just a DJ playing beats. Dan builds it all live. He's in, He was an integral part of the live show. Um, but, you know, this was the Strange Frame sh- Showcase and we were a new act on that that label. So I kind of had to, to step up and deliver. And it was an amazing moment because I was walking to stage and at side stage, uh, waiting to watch me go on, was Buck 65 and Idea, Um God rest his soul. And they're two people I've been a fan of for a long time. I chatted to, to, to Buck already. I'd never met Idea. And that was the one time I met him, really. Um, and as a rapper from the UK who'd listened to all of these acts for years, you know, got all, I've got a CD collection with Idea and Abilities, with Buck, with everyone, with Sage. It was amazing to have them stage side and then to come off and have, have Buck come up and say it was dope, have Sage enjoying it, have 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 Dessa, who i just watched, ask Sage to introduce her to me and kind of all this. And then obviously I was, I was kicking it with B. Dolan and, and Curtis Plum, my homie. Um, so yeah, that was an amazing experience for, uh, for me, for a little rapper from the UK who's listened to all these acts and kind of idolised it in many ways to then be there and go, right, they're into my shit that's kind of cool um see so yeah, i didn't even actually bring it up with dessa because i thought that might have been a, a, a bit awkward so but um we did have a great chat so i hope you enjoy it tune in at the end and i'll tell you a little bit about this secret podcast we've got going up on friday it's if you're into independent hip-hop which you will be if you're listening to this it's one you don't want to miss so check us out but for now this is dessa from doomtree
Literally it. We're now recording. I'm going to turn these these levels up slightly. I'm joined by uh, by Dessa. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. You're. We're recording this before your second London Doomtree show. Exactly. And how was last night? The first one at the garage. Last night we're in the garage, and for us this was like an amazing first time through. We'd been we've been through London once, but as a support act. So we've been yeah we've been opening for Yellow Wolf. Yeah, yeah, which was exciting and you know totally new. But you're also very much aware of the fact that the people who are in that room are there by virtue of another act's draw. Yeah, I I think as a support act you have to always be aware that no matter how much you smash it the person that they've come to see is coming on after you so again I've had delusions before thinking oh we've smashed it so we're going to now have, next time we come back here everyone's going to know who we are but uh-huh. the fact is yeah on a night out there'll be loads of good songs but then when, when your f- favourite song comes on you'll forget half a ch- 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 do you know what I mean so it's, 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 it is, it's reaffirming to come back and do y- your own show and know oh we're the one that they're here for and, and they're going to remember and yeah I think you're right it's like you never know for sure if the support tour worked to attract yeah. new listeners yeah. until you come through on your own and you see what you know what took or what didn't yeah, take yeah, and yeah. so yesterday felt great we had you know for us I think we had 400 and some people in a room and for us that feels like a very like large great welcome to a city yeah. that we've never headlined in so. that's huge it's, yeah it's, it felt it's, great it's, 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 it's huge like anywhere you're st- stepping that's new and again it's kind of it's good because all of you in the do- under the doom tree blanket as such all have got your own um, identities and own things going on all over the place but again the first time to be here as a collective to get f- f- or headlining as a collective to get 400 odd is is crazy there's a lot of a lot of high fiving a lot of whiskey backstage and it felt great perfect perfect yeah. uh, uh, and how was the crowd the garage is known for being kind of a rowdy yeah. more of a punk venue and that kind of thing so again a, a lot of london shows People, everyone always excited to be in London because it's big crowds and big venues, but sometimes Uh the crowds can be a little bit chin-strokey and that kind of thing. But the garage isn't generally one of those venues. It's generally people who are there to... To, to go for it and it get into it. It felt like it anyway. You know, I mean, it was really hot inside the club. So, yeah. you know, by, by song two, let's say, you know, everybody in Doom yeah. Tree is kind of reaching for like the stage towels, yeah, you know, yeah, to, yeah, to, to yeah, like yeah, mop yeah. up a little bit. And um, there was a barricade that separated the, you know, the stage yeah. from, the, from the standing audience. And I think two or three times somebody from the crowd stage dive, stage uh, crowd surfing yeah, yeah, yeah. came over it and was escorted off Perfect. by, <laughs> by security. So. And my first ever, um, I posted a picture the other day, and my first ever bit of, the first time I was in any pr- printed press was long before I was doing any music, but it was after crowd surfing at the garage, and uh-huh. it was a photo in a reviewing enemy of Alien Ant Farm. Holy And it's just me just in between the lead singer's legs after crowd surfing oh, okay. over there. And I looked like... S- such a dick I'm clearly drunk and clearly <laughs> yeah, being yeah. as if anyone cares that I'm on stage it's your rather, moment yeah, it's like, this is my big moment it's like no 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 no, no. Yeah, yeah. but yeah that's awesome so, so uh, I mean we were discussing Friday I used to go to the garage for a lot of punk gigs uh-huh. uh, growing up you, you, you grew up in Minneapolis right I did yeah uh, what kind of music are we listening to because it's known now to me um, particularly in the UK we think of it as such a birthplace of so much hip Hip hop because of atmosphere and rhyme sayers and doom tree and right. everything else that's 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 bubbled out of there. But that wasn't when you were growing up, I'd imagine. So what totally. was? How was it? Has it always had that hip hop root, or did you grow up in other kind of genres and scenes? You know, I yeah, I wasn't a hip hop head yeah. as a, as a kid and as a teenager. Like, and to be honest, I wasn't even totally aware of like what a local scene might look and feel like. And some yeah. of the dudes in Doom Tree ever since they were you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like they knew who who the local labels were. They knew the, like, cool yeah. venues to hang out in. And I was sort of this, like, uh, you know, depressive, loner, like, academic type. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening... I was really, really moved by music. Yeah. But to be honest, it hadn't occurred to me to figure out, like, who the cool kids were in yeah. my own city who were making yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So I was... I was listening to some really old stuff. I was listening to, like, the Tracy Chapman ilk. Um, awesome. Skunk and Nancy was a... Was Amazing. A big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't see a lot of it live, but I was very much like kind of the headphones on, you know, walking yeah, around. Great. I mean, it's, it's such a weird thing in hip hop that people get 
stressed out about people who didn't grow up into hip hop. And, and you can maybe hear that in my voice, right? There's like a there's like an, an embarrassment, four percent apology yeah, yeah. as I'm telling this story. Ridiculous, right? it is it, so it's ridiculous because it kind of I, I always remember hearing people. Um, shitting on kind of like Cloud Dead and some of the Anticon lot because they're like oh, they, they, they aren't even hip hop heads that's not so hip hop like, yeah it's, and, and just the fact of saying they're not even into hip hop it's like but they've made some they happen to have made some really good hip hop it's like you don't I think it's great when people are and it often comes through through in their music their heritage but for, for any genre to develop you also need input from people who outside didn't the, yeah. grow up in that genre and have yeah. that outside influence and, and I think I used to feel really shy about it like you know yeah. when I was in my early 20s right because you don't want to you don't want to be a posture you don't want to yeah, be yeah, a poser yeah. you know but but now did, did you have any points of kind of having to fake it a bit because again oh, I've, I've, I've completely still, had that I've I completely, still have that or you know what yeah. it's just in all parts of my life I mean not just in hip hop in anything yeah. you know when somebody when everybody in the room seems to know a reference yeah. and thank god I got a cell phone so I'll just google the fucking thing yeah. and figure out what everybody's but talking again, about that's a beautiful thing because I yeah. think there's so, so much of a mindset where people just nod and don't google it I was, I was discussing this in, in a podcast recently and we've had all these these marches recently against mm. austerity because yeah. the, the government and the, the Tories have come in and they're just making the rich richer and the poor poorer and bringing in all these cuts and everything. And I was kind of, I was listening to all of this and I suddenly realised, I don't know what austerity means. Awesome. So I, like, I love I'm going to look that up. And, it's like, right. I was, and it, I literally thought, I wonder how many of my friends and how many people on these anti-austerity marches know the that definition word. of austerity. Because as soon as I looked it up, I was like, right, I'm not anti-austerity I'm anti the, the level it's going to but I think for a society to come out of debt or whatever you need some level of austerity so it's, 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 spending, it, yeah. and it's that weird thing of kind of going I've, I'm glad I bothered looking that up you know what I mean because yeah. so many aren't going to they're just going to get you get the rough idea you get the gist you know and then also I think there's also a natural inclination to say oh, okay the people who seem like minded who think and look like yeah. me oh okay they, they've, they've picked a trend line they here. They would have looked it up. I'll join. Yeah, exactly. They'll know what it means. I feel like the, the one of the biggest like tra- themes, I guess, of my yeah. late 20s, early 30s has been like re-examining a lot of the things I, lot, I thought I knew for sure and realizing yeah. I actually don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. I don't know this word. I don't actually under, have a very good understanding of macro or macro economics. Yeah. I don't actually, you know. Like, it's great It's great yeah. to do that. My, my brother's always, I've, I've had, I had Russell Brand on the podcast early on, and I think awesome. Russell's great, but I think he's also... I, I understand what people get angry about and things like that. And one of the things with a Russell, I find, at points, he gets so excited about stuff that, that, that he talks really quickly and intelligently, and then he will realise there's certain things. I don't really understand that. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that exact he's, same like, thing. overshot his own yeah, headlights. Completely, but the yeah. fact is he's constantly in that spotlight, so mm-hmm. there's that... You can't help that. Right. Um, You've done. Um, you've gigged in in Europe before, right? Um, I have, yeah. Just thinking on what we were saying there about actually uh, uh, looking upwards. How have you found the reception in Europe? Because a lot of your 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 lyrics and writing is very conscious and intricate. I always found in Europe that they, but it surprised me that they had often a greater understanding mm. of my work than English-speaking countries, but I've realised it was because over there, because they didn't understand it, they would have to look up each oh, meaning and each thing and kind of spend the time. Do you know what I mean? If you're listening to music, even now, I guarantee some of my favourite rap songs, I know most of the words. There's certain bits I've not really caught, but because yep. you, you understand enough, you don't look up, whereas when you don't understand any, you kind of have that more inclination to to delve into it as how have you found the reception in, in Europe and that's, the yeah. understanding that's interesting and I'll maybe start with the briefest aside and that mm. on the way here you know as we're kind of looking for parking it's a different you know difficult neighborhood around Barfly to figure out where yeah. you know it's damn hard yeah to exactly park. Um, but I've got I've got my headphones on and I was listening to a French song yeah I don't know uh, Papa Hute I think is the name of the title and it's a song I've really grown to like it was probably the 20th time I'd been playing it on yeah. repeat and it occurred to me like Shoot, do I want to Google that? Do I want to? Do I want to translate? Do I want to understand it? Yeah, right. Because if the lyrics are good, I'm going to love the song all the more. And yeah. if they're really shoddy, it's going to be distraction. Yeah, and you it's know, tough, for the next man. Because we have different languages. Again, a lot of people don't realise that because certain f- phrases and terms don't have literal translations, Absolutely. you could find out 
the lyrics are shit because the translator was shit. So it's been a shitty translation, and now right. you're like, oh man, this sucks. So it's like, well, no, that actually means more in that. And I'd say with my stuff, I, I might have had a slightly different experience. And I also haven't toured Europe, you know, many, many times, yeah, yeah. just a couple. But um, I think for me, like, if I were to do a corporate style strengths and weaknesses analysis of yeah. my own work, I'd say, like, for me, usually the strength is in the writing. Um, pretty good delivery, you know, pretty good singing voice. I'm proud of both those things. But for me, the strength is in the writing. Sure. So if that doesn't play well with all the nuance and the connotative value yeah. of the word selection, yeah, 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 then yeah. I think my major weapon is blunted. So yeah. for me, like the, the UK has been, has been a resonant market yeah. uh, so far. I would say German Germany and the further... The further east and south I go, yeah, I tend to, yeah, yeah, I tend yeah, to lose yeah. it a little bit, yeah. you know. So I tend to get a bit more confused. Love going to Italy. Yeah, I don't know if they love, you know, they don't love the shows as much as I wish they did. We yeah. did on, on on mine and Dan Lasax a, a last tour. We did our first two shows in Italy. Um, uh-huh. where, again, where in Italy? Um, in Milan, and I can't even think. That's terrible of me, but yeah, um, okay. the the. The fact that they were so unmemorable will explain why they were unmemorable. Okay. But yeah. um, we'd, we'd done a London sh- uh, sh- sh- show, I think, was two sold-out nights at Coco, which was a good, you know, a, a couple of thousand each one. Mm. Amazing things. And then uh, literally a week later, yeah. it was 12 people in Italy. And l- literally 12. That th- was my th- head in Milan, that, too. Yeah, th- but they, it must be the same fucking 12 that go to all the shows. It's like they were Maybe. nice kids, and we still... Again, I think there's a good thing there, though, because it tests your... A professional um, aside, because we still put on the show and we still did the gig. We did the best, best that we could. you can do. Yeah, we might have dropped one or two of the more audience participation type tracks, but you know, mm-hmm. you kind of still smash it out there. So mm-hmm. yeah, that could be key. And I think it also like it's easy for me anyway. It's easy to sometimes get caught up in like the video game aspect of a musical career because it's really easy to quantify things. Yeah. How many followers do you have? Yeah, How many yeah, listeners yeah. downloaded this podcast, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. How many people came to your last show? What was the ticket price? That to then go to, you know, to stand in a room where the numbers aren't going to win. So it has to be about a human connection and performing well and yeah. singing your stuff right. It's a, it's a reality it's there. Like a, and you yeah, actually kinda, get that, that direct achievement of, right, this has worked, regardless of... of of failing on that level of the computer game. And this is art, you know? yeah. so do some of it, you yeah. know? Yeah. C- completely. I always remember the first, our, our, our only big-ish, like, a, a US tour that we were doing, like, t- t- 25-odd shows. Mm. We did a, sh- a show in Ames, Iowa, um, and we got there, and the promoter was like, look, we've only sold a, 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 a 60-odd tickets or whatever and things like that. And our outlook to that was like, Dude, honestly, before this gig was booked, I'd never heard of Ames, Iowa. So the right. fact that 60 people 60 in Ames, Iowa have heard of us, it's like, yeah. I'm more than happy with that. This yeah. is amazing. So yeah. um, just again, I'm kind of, I've got s- s- some notes, but, but there's some good bits I keep wanting t- t- to loop, loop back on on what you've said. What do you feel about explaining your lyrics? Mm. Because with the French song that you were saying, if you find the, uh, the lyrics out, it might change uh, what it means to you. And I've always been kind of... I try not to be rude to people, but I try not to over-explain lyrics because I feel if you release your music to, to, uh, to the public, you need to release a certain amount of ownership. Or, I've, or for me, I need to release a certain amount of ownership over it. So it's theirs to interpret now. It's theirs to understand what those lyrics mean is what it means to, to that individual as a listener rather than, well, you've got that wrong. Actually, what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say here. Right. How do you feel on that? Do you uh, I'll say, get pedantic I'll, yeah. on it and go, look... Here's what it means. You're, you're I think I've it. probably broken my own rule several mm-hmm. times, like <laughs> late at night and drunk, you know, at a merch table. But I'll say that in yeah. the in the sober, more reflective hours, it feels like I'm sparing with explanation. Not I yeah. never do it, but I tend to be sparing in part because I feel like I, I'm not an artist who says, "Hey, man, it is what it means to me, and it's what it means to you, yeah, bro." Yeah, yeah. But I'm like. It's done, and if I if I find that your interpretation as a listener is wildly, wildly, wildly different than what I had intended to convey, yeah. and that it's and that your interpretation is well supported, and that I find your dis- interpretation dissatisfying, the fault is entirely mine. Yeah, yeah, that's my that. bad. You know, yeah, so that's awesome. so if I was trying to get a major point across, it doesn't mean that they always have to know who all the pronouns are, or they always have yeah. to figure out like, oh, this is a historical reference to 1945. But like the 
the basic thrust of the song and the basic emotional tenets of the relationships between the people in it. If yeah. I miss the mark, then that's on me, and I just have to try harder next time. Yeah, no, I get that. Do you... Yeah. Uh, have, I, I mean, if you have, you might not want to admit it. So yeah. uh, have you ever had any explanations that aren't what you meant but yeah. are so dope that you're like yeah no yeah, yeah that's totally that, that, then it starts to become to mean that I've, I've had a few in the past where people are like is this a reference to this 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 and this and you're like shit yeah. it wasn't or it wasn't <laughs> consciously but yeah. damn that's I like that let's go with that have you ever had any of them that there's kind been of a couple, overthink it yeah yeah there's been a couple over, and it's always really no matter what it's flattering right to have yeah. somebody overthink a lyric yeah, that they spend time in it so first of all it's, it's, like, it's mind blowing if, if you actually yeah. sit down and cons- consider that if you remember yourself growing up and listening on your headphones yeah. to Tracy Chapman as, right. you, as you're walking through Minneapolis that someone else is having that with something that you have written right. and it's easy to get detached from that because it becomes a job you're on tour you're doing this you you put out because you're not there so, when they're doing it yeah exactly you know so what I mean it like, is yeah. genuinely yeah, it, yeah people are overanalyzing it's like mm. you need to a point, a point step back and go damn that's that's beautiful that they're doing that there was one song yeah it was called um, Into the Spin that a yeah. couple of women had created like a uh, an environmental stand like interpretation of yeah. but it was a it was a stance about the environment and i remember thinking what was my first reaction because i did feel like a little pang of failure yeah um like oh man i didn't mean that and then looking at you know looking at their interpretation I'm like, well shit man you've, you've got a point that's cool so, yeah it's good it always cool. the one time i've been uncomfortable with it me and dan were booked to play a festival and we were doing like three festivals in that weekend and we got to this festival and didn't realise that it was a very religious festival oh. um, and that booked us because of songs like A Letter From God To Man and things like this that are songs that we've written that have religion but aren't actually about religion it's about society it's kind of it's using totally. familiar religious structures to talk about society and that was a weird thing to play, play that song have them all cheering and enjoying but cheering in a way that made me slightly uncomfortable because I was like right you're liking that in a way that I didn't mean it. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, I do, it's, it's, yeah. it's that scary thing of, and it's fine when they're liking it in a way you didn't mean it, but it's still something that you believe in. Do you know what I mean? If it's an environmental thing, you can still go, well, that's cool, that's nice. But when it's something, it's like, I'm not, I'm not against what you're board, doing, but yeah. I'm not really. This is odd. I had the same. I had the same um, experience with the song that started. There was like a lyric: "She's a Latter Day Saint, but she's a Saturday sinner." And a couple Mormons came up. You know, the members of the yeah. Church of Latter Day Saints Damn, and were like, yeah, yeah, "Yes, are you Mormon?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" I just thought it was it's, a clever couple. Cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's so much yeah. stuff. I think that with with certain lyrics, with tattoos, with all sorts uh, of stuff, often the explanation is, "I thought it." was cool it sounded good it was a nice right. thing it doesn't always have to have the biggest most intricate mm-hmm. thing. and There's I think a lot of times though too when we think sound something dope. sounds cool it's on some Malcolm Gladwell shit it's yeah. like we're attracted to it in an instant and for reasons we can't explain mm-hmm. but sometimes for a lot of complicated reasons right yeah like, completely yeah. and again when people will misinterpret something in a way that is something still that's in your in your mental yes, yes. lexicon, there's a good chance that you did mean that in some way. Subconsciously, it's like, right, that was something I, I that was in there and was rooted in it. And then for some of my friends even, you know, and it's like, I like, I always think it's a little... I'm, I'm worried about over-explaining things because I think it's also sort of like self-celebratory for yeah, an artist yeah, to like yeah. get up and be like, here's yeah. my PowerPoint about this song. Yeah. But for a couple of songs even that my friends have written, you know, when I say, oh, what's that about? And they tell me, and I, and I think to myself privately, like, no, it's not. No. You don't. You don't know that song's about your mom, <laughs> you realize, or you don't know yeah, that song's yeah, yeah. about whatever. And in the yeah. same way, that's true. I'm sure for me. Yeah, you know, so. com- completely. So, yeah. let's go back to, to kind of, of, of of growing up. You 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 studied philosophy, right? Yeah. Uh, um, in in Minneapolis, what kind of point did your studies come hand in hand? Or were you starting to get into hip hop, or did you get into spoken word first and then rap, or what was the kind of Let's yeah. put that journey together a little. For me, I had an interest in philosophy, and yeah. I had an interest in creative writing, so I studied those two subjects in school. And I wanted to be an essayist of creative nonfiction, which is the worst... I hate, I hate saying that, because it's such a sterile-sounding name. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's essentially, like, writing short stories that are true. So it's like... Yeah, awesome. The, yeah. So, like, the dude who tells the best bar stories in your friend group, if he sat down and wrote that anecdote really yeah. well, you know, in a literary way... <clears throat> that's the genre I was into. That's amazing. A, a, a poet in in the UK called called Polar Bear, who I've oh. I've always been a big fan of. I remember 
gigging with him and him explaining that he doesn't see anything he does as poetry. He's like, this is what my nan used to do around the dinner table. This is just storytelling. This is just putting together things that have happened and telling an engaging story. So I happen to do that now in front of a crowd and everyone goes, oh, it's beautiful. It's this poetry. It's this storytelling. It's like, again, it's it's stories. It's it's, It's... that is an art in itself. And I think we've swept a lot of art under the the banner of spoken word poetry because yeah, at the time yeah, we didn't have more convenient designators. It's so broad. It's so broad. I mean, it's, it's what's always attracted me to it, but I also know it's why people often are, are want to be more specific and break things sure. down. But for me, I liked it because if I referred to my stuff as poetry, again, particularly starting off, I was going to a lot of poetry nights. I never studied poetry, so mm. I'd feel I'm Weird. not... Qu- qualified to say if this is poetry or not this is something I've, I've written if someone wants to call it poetry or call me a poet then that's cool i'm not comfortable putting that on myself because it's yeah. not something that I've, I've studied and have enough knowledge in so i, I always like spoken word because it's like well yeah i speak words that's yeah, what's going to be exactly. happening i'm going to be speaking words you can't you can't, you can't question tell that. me you can't that ask i'm not yeah, 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 totally. doing spoken word that's that yeah so, so how did you find or, or what was your transition because it sounds there that you started off with a love of, of, of the written word. Right. And did that then develop into a love of a spoken? Or was it always kind of wanting to start more with more readings and then turning it into a performance? It was or? more like I wanted to get published and I wanted to, and I wanted to do it... I didn't want to put out a chapbook, to be honest. I yeah. wanted, like, the fancy pants, hardcover, gold pages, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. I wanted fancy publishing literary stuff. It's crazy that so. people in... In the in, 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 in the publishing world in many ways, will it will become easier for you to put out your poetry if you're performing and building an audience when written poetry and spoken poetry can be such different things that totally. I, I never realised until, again, it was explained by my a brother coming and then you start, it then becomes a simple thing, but there's so much you can do on paper that you can't do on, on stage or out loud. There's so many different structures and functions that you can play with that there's no verbal version of if you know what I mean so it's bizarre that it's easier for a spoken word poet to get published than someone who could be really well versed in craft yeah and who who just may not be good at talking or getting up in front of a crowd so that's a bizarre thing it was yeah so initially but it is how it is so I understand that you'd think right now this is how I want to this, so I had wanted, this. yes, I had wanted to be the for me like the big dream was at nineteen, and to be honest, is now you know like thirteen years later, fourteen years later has been the New Yorker. That to me is like yeah. like the gold standard yeah, of yeah, yeah. fiction, creative nonfiction. So I had, I would write my essays, I would send them off to the New Yorker, but it was clear that like okay, this is this feels like mailing a lottery ticket, and this yeah. isn't yeah. like step by step building a steadfast career. So a friend of mine said. You should try like reading it or like performing it at a at a poetry slam. Yeah, and I thought okay, so I did, and then I won that night. And unbeknownst to me, a the unbeknownst to me, like the person who won that night had to perform on behalf of the Minnesota team for a year, and all the really good poets were out of town. So I thought I was really hot <laughs> shit, and I thought I'd like swept up on one evening. Yeah. and then turns out you know that I I learned what real grade A talent in that arena looked like. Yeah. It's um, awesome, though, and it's it's, yeah. it's 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 great to have that um, qu- quick c- confidence boost followed by that <laughs> quick that quick reality of like, right, I'm good, but I'm not done yet. Oh, you know, this isn't complete. Remotely. So it's kind of it's nice yeah. though, because if it had just been a, a straight into I'm not done yet, it might have been a I'm not going to bother with this. This isn't going to work. So sure. again, I think that's a, a kind of a nice and serendipitous situation there that you had that initial. Damn, yeah, this is right. easy. I'm right. this is I'm made for this. To then go, oh shit, this isn't easy, and I've got, and I've got work, work for to this. Do. Yeah. yeah. So then um, it was that that year as for the you know, it's kind of like a, it's almost like sports, you know, first yeah. spoken word, right? And people come and they compete at a national level once a year in a city that rotates. And uh, and that first year I competed against Sage Francis, you Amazing, know, and I got yeah. yeah, right. So I got to see what that looked like, and for me the the entryway into rap was through the doorway of spoken word. So I had started yeah. as a, as a prose writer, essentially. It's, it's perfect yeah. timing as well. Cause at that time there were people like Sage and Saul Williams and people like that who were, totally. who were coming. They'd, they'd already been that kind of, um, or again, around the same time, I guess there was a, a level of coming in the opposite direction with the deaf poetry jam stuff yes. and things like that. But it was great to see people who, 
I know Sage started off in rap, but I got the impression that Saul Williams and a few others started more in spoken word and then went in that d- direction. So that must have been a good time to happen to hit that crowd to go, right, I can, I can choose where I go. It felt like there I was go. this overlap. It felt like there was yeah. an overlap aesthetically, and it felt like there was an overlap culturally, right? Where like poets yeah. would go to rap shows and rappers would go to spoken word events. And yeah. a lot of times a spoken word performance was just a rapper performing yeah. you know, his track without a beat. Yeah. So yeah, and I love like that. Really I love fluid. that when really uh, when that's done well, it's one of the most ex- ex- exciting things. I remember the first time I saw a Kate Tempest, who's blown up now over here. Yeah. But her at a spoken word night, she'd get up, and there'd often be people a bit posh and a bit judgmental because this girl was coming up who's, who's clearly off of an estate, and she's clearly going to speak in rhyme rather than necessarily in structured verse as okay. such. And then she'd she'd do her stuff, and it'd have. Greek mythology in there and ancient literature and just so much stuff and it was always so beautiful to see when a rapper comes into the spoken word nights and takes him or takes him on like legitimately wins them over yep I think yeah anytime somebody like for for me anyway maybe it's because I aspire to do it but anybody watching anybody like jump category yeah feels exciting you know like when you watch the the football player come in and ace the math test you know what I mean like that just feels exciting yeah so, Underdoggery. So was there a conscious? Can you remember a point where there was a conscious a decision? And did you feel any stress or pressure? Again, having not grown up with the history of yep. deep hip hop knowledge, was there a point you kind of went right? I'm going to rap now, and is that okay? Is is that except? Like, am I allowed to? Kind yeah. of thing. And I think I still think not. Am I allowed to? I mean, if if making rap music isn't enough to render me a rapper then i'm just like not interested in having that semantic argument yeah. you yeah, know what sure. i mean yeah, like completely. the thing that makes me a rapper is that i rap yeah um if people want to get into it and be like okay well how important is an understanding of of hip-hop history i think that's a that's a fair question and it's one that i'm still figuring out exactly yeah. how to answer but but i do think that there is some value across across disciplines to having yeah. like the input of, of people who weren't born and bred into the existing conventions yeah. you know C- completely so. and I think there's just uh, uh, for me what's I think is important for me to have is a level of respect for the history and heritage of rap and of, of hip hop I was, I, was, I, was, I was being asked the other day how I felt starting off as a white ra- a rapper and I was like to, the ability to, to be a rapper hasn't got anything to to do with race in my mind anyone who who has that passion or skill equally I know that this is an incredibly important element of, of, of black culture that I'm being allowed to, to step into so I, you know I mean I feel there needs to be a level of respect for that but still you know anyone can be doing this and if, or if they're good at it if, yeah, good at yeah, it, if yeah. you can turn up and do your job then it doesn't matter your background or it's difficult too because I think one of the things that I struggle with is like initially when I you know if I like can't stop won't stop and I listen to the disc included with it like some of the some of the struggle that I come against is like in listening to some of the classic hip hop tracks yeah. like I don't know if I what do I owe what do I owe the the history of the genre yeah yeah and how do I balance that against the way that I think about misogyny yeah. what do I owe people who don't seem to think they owe me very much yeah yeah I mean Shit, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, you know? It's, a, it's a really a tough one when I I, I, str- I struggled with this a lot when I had my radio show which um, I, I played Warsaw I played a lot of Doomtree stuff and things like that and I was I'd play a lot of modern great hip hop but I also had a bit where I'd play some classic stuff and on one part I was doing a dissection of the Eminem and Everlast uh, kind of yep. beef and I had to explain at the beginning that you've got a, a look at this in many ways the same as you look at National Geographic that really? if, 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 if you're yeah. watching National Geographic huh. in the middle of the day there there might be be nudity there might be all sorts do you know what I mean but it's you're looking at it I don't know it's, it's, it's kind of saying you're looking at it at like this was a time it's so different that you, you're asking people to put on like a historical and anthropological yeah, lens yeah, to c- do it kind of say and saying huh. that if this was released now it's completely unacceptable and it, like just 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 a, a use of certain terms and certain or phrases it's unacceptable and society has has developed but that mm. that doesn't discredit the art of it at the time if you know i mean there's there's so much stuff where society has, has developed and that's obviously a good thing in fact we've just we're, we're a day after right. america has finally 
got on board with and again I, I struggle with things like that because you kind of go right that a gay marriage is now legalised that's awesome it's awesome because it's happened but it's not awesome when it's happened isn't awesome because right. it's still far too late but right. that doesn't mean it's like the slow clap like Thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm really glad to finally see you've turned up. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've done this. So I, 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 I don't know, it's a tough one. I completely agree with there's certain um, areas of the genre that it's it's hard to give give your respect to because of the language, because of the misogyny, because of the mm-hmm. approach. But I don't know, there's still... And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't undermine the artistry of it. Yeah, but I, that's but exactly I, it. There's, there's still that, like, right, I still respect this, but we've come a long way, so... But part of me is, like, I don't want, like... I think that we flatter ourselves to imagine that we can consume intellectual content and not have it affect our worldview. Yeah. Meaning, when I eat a sandwich and then I follow that with a piece of pie and then I follow that with ice cream, I don't say, oh, no, no, but the, the pie and the ice cream, I mean, I'm just... You know, I'm, those are eating, but I'm doing so with a with a critical distance. Like those will not yeah. contribute. Yeah, like yeah, no, yeah, you, yeah. you expose yourself yeah. to it, and they're going to your hips or whatever. Similarly, I feel like we imagine that we can erect these these like these dams and partitions in our minds where we're allowed we allow ourselves to be exposed to intellectual pr- property. I guess that we we have serious moral issue with, and we mm-hmm. imagine that it wanted like you are what you listen to you are what yeah. you think you are what you expose yourself to yeah, so i'm no, careful sometimes sense. about listening to too much stuff like that yeah because no, i think I it does that. get in there so let's let's talk about um how it is to be um a female in 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 literature and in rap mm. in, in in writing in in general um i had, had josie long on the podcast a while back and she really brought something home a, a well for me because in my mind i was like right I'm not. I'm not sexist. I'm not racist, and all these things. And she was kind of got through. And Killer Mike as well. Kind of said. Sometimes that isn't enough because there's been so much of a world. And again, it was it was about having more female guests on and things like. Because I've always said I have guests on. I don't have male or female. I have guests. I just. But her point was. But there's so much in society that is actively awaited in the direction of male that you have to make an active. Hmm. Effort to to counterbalance that, and it's the same with uh, with racism. It's easy to say in society I'm, I'm today, I'm not racist. Like, I'm not you know, it. I don't think about that. It's like, well, that's not enough. You need to actively be against those that are racist, and and similarly be against those that are putting up walls to women in in media, in in art, and in all these different areas. I guess for me, I I come into the this kind of of conversation, even if it's a conversation with myself, thinking. I am racist. Mm. I am sexist. H- how can you discover where those ideas have bloomed up in your brain? Because it would be kind of unusual if you lived in a society that's as racist and sexist as the one that you grew up in, and none of it rubbed off. So, yeah. like, yeah. reading reading Nelson Mandela's autobiography, he talks about... I bring that up, uh, not because it's like a touchstone, because I, I recently finished it. He... And I did the abridged version, lest it sound like I'm dropping names. So <laughs> he gets on a plane. I don't know, remember where he's going, but um, the cockpit door is open. Yeah. And he sees that there's a black pilot. And he took a seat and he started freaking out because he was like, "How? Is this safe?" Yeah. And he realizes like, "I'm Nelson Mandela." Yeah. Yeah. And I'm freaking out that there's a black pilot because oh, this is this guy trained up enough. Like, on are Louis we good? CK recently nailed it. One is on his. Um, I think it was this a Saturday Night Live introduction or something, and he was saying. I'm still a bit racist. And he, again, he had a, a very similar example. He's like, if I'm buying a, a slice of pizza in New York, I want to buy it off an Italian. Sure. I don't want to go in there. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, oh, sure. if I'm buying Chinese, sure. I'd be weirded out if all the staff were black. Sure. You know, do you know, so there's, there's small, those Pockets. weird levels of like, well, and still, I mean, that's if I'm buying innocent, Chinese, yeah. I kind of want Chinese people making my right. Chinese, which is odd. So yeah, yeah, I get that of kind of, but of acknowledging if- that there's a level... And even in, in more sinister regardless. ways, if it, with the Louis C.K., like, that's such a, I don't know, that's just such a low-stakes thing. And it's yeah. something that also might be, like, rationally supported. Like, hey, if they're Chinese, maybe they've got first-hand, you know, reference yeah, for, yeah, the, yeah, for yeah. the ingredients for yeah. the culinary heritage. Whereas, like, there is no innocent interpretation, right, of that Nelson yeah. Mandela thing. He's just yeah. freaked out the, freaked out a that a black guy, guy yeah, can't yeah, fly yeah, the plane. And so I feel like, I feel like in, in my life, even, even as I, before... Like, you were talking about Kate Tempest, when she yeah. stands up. Okay, people have these impressions about what's going to happen. And I think a lot of our experience is informed by 
the daylight between what we thought was going to happen and what actually transpired. Yeah. Okay, so I think expectation matters a lot. Yeah. I think when you hear, let's say, um, a balladeer, a female balladeer, sing a song about her feelings, even if it was sung by a male balladeer who had a totally comparable voice, totally comparable range, same exact lyrics, I think that the way that we think about men and women has us experience those songs really differently. Yeah. You know, when Adele yeah. sings, it's like, okay, those are her feelings. I mean, you tell me about your big feelings. Well, yeah, you would. You're a girl. Whereas, like, yeah. you know, when when Sam Smith, like, when we've got a guy voice, it's like, hold on, man. He's talking about his feelings yeah. here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it, because, yeah, yeah. it gets, like, a 5%, you know, turbo boost of emotional yeah. resonance because we think we're being brought into the inner emotional sphere of a dude. And those guys don't talk that much about how they feel. Which is so unfamiliar with, and that's so yeah. out, out, out of the norm. Yeah, no, I get that. That's interesting that there's that, yeah. that, that natural a, a reaction to that. So how, how have, what have you experienced in that area in, in, in being a female mm-hmm. in, in, in rap, in hip-hop? I mean, sometimes I think, like, when I actually read the lyrics, uh, this is, like, my one salty indulgence, maybe, but I feel like when I read the lyrics of other very popular rappers yeah. and compare them to my own, like, I absolutely talk about true stories in my life. I talk about feelings in my life. Yeah. But I think for the whole, like, I'm considered a little bit softer. Like, you know who's soft? Drake is soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no mistake <laughs> But of in course, that. you know, I mean, he's, you know, his, his, his delivery, you know, his, his, his beats, you know, the, yeah. the clicky rolls with, like, I think that, that sometimes, like, I may be portrayed as, like, a little bit more sensitive than the music warrants, yeah, yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. But I... There hasn't, like, when I started this gig, I mean, the term, like, male-dominated industry, right? Yeah. is thrown at you a lot. And I think that the challenges associated with being women, with being a woman have been more complicated and more subtle. And also, I've benefited from it. It's rare. Yeah. She's, a, she's a female rapper. Like, even if we're just at a club and everybody's drunk. Yeah. Right? And everybody's flirting and everybody's drinking really hard and the lights are low. Like, when my voice starts the rap song... Yeah. You might get a moment where somebody goes, hang on for a second, and yeah. looks to the stage. Yeah. Well, that's where, that's most of my life is, and our lives as yeah. artists, is like yeah. just trying, trying to get to that get attention, to trying to get like the that. attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I benefit from the novelty of it. Yeah, I guess so. How are you about the term a female rapper? Because it's something, again, it's that thing in the UK, it's known that every time there's a racist issue or anything on TV, the people that complain aren't the people who are actually affected so it's something it's always annoys me that people talk of their top five female rappers rather than their top five rappers and there happens to be some females in it but you you will only ever be referred to in right in 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 reviews as female mc as if that's not clear by my voice you know and yeah how do you feel about that again is it something that you're just ah fuck it or is it something that does kind of Great. I would say, uh, like, not a not a break your glass against the wall and yeah. th- flip the table over, yeah. but like a minor irritation. It's like, come on, man. I'd rather I'd rather not be in your list of five top favorites yeah. and make your top ten and just have it a combined list. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. when we separate it like that, it does kind of combine, like, imply that there are heats. Yeah. Right. The yeah, like the completely. land speed record can't be can't be held here yeah. the title can't be held by a woman yeah. you know it sounds like completely. it's weightlifting it feels or like something it's a different, it's like, yeah it's a different league completely yeah it's, it's like a different league That's you're right. my you're my f- favourite female MC of all time it's like alright is that where do I rank in, in, in the general, <laughs> the general. you know because again you yeah. might not even make the top 10 they, you mean, know it's yeah. kind of that weird thing it's like how many female MCs do you listen to that's, a, that's the second thing what's your actual knowledge say. on female MCs that right now in today's marketplace it's like if you've got a top 5 of you know of female MCs like you're already progressive who deserves yeah. a, a, a lapel <laughs> yeah. pin because yeah. there really are not very many anymore you know yeah. there, were many, there were many more active rapping women when I started than there are now. Oh, really? Been, I think, so. I mean, at least that I was aware of, it's been a nutrition. And you get upswings, you know, yeah. but I think, I mean, it's better than femsy. Yeah, oh, geez, It's better than feminem. Yeah, that's, that's hideous. That's just, that's, that's just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, w- when did you start start rapping? And did you, did you get more into hip-hop? Or was the hip-hop that you were influenced by the hip-hop that you were fucking making? You know, uh, as much as anything, because you were obviously you you were in Doomtree with a load of people, Cecil and and Steph, and everyone were all making hip hop. So it's easy to them be influenced by those instantly around you, your peers. I would say that's that's probably an accurate account that I yeah. was more influenced by the guys in my clique than most members of a clique would be 
because they accounted for so much of my impression of the genre in those early yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. That and also, makes sense. I mean, I like those guys. I love those guys. They've become, you know, family with all the joy and intimacy and connection and total dysfunction that that would imply. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but they were my favorite artists, too. And it, and it wasn't that I liked them, and so I liked their music before I'd met them. Yeah. I was handed a, a CDR, and I, I didn't know where they were from. Yeah. And I, I listened to it, and I was very moved. And I asked the guy who gave it to me, are these guys from, like, the Pacific Northwest? Are they from, you know, like, Seattle or something? And yeah. he goes, no, dude, th- those are the guys who live next door. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. okay. So I was, I was a big fan of their work before we, before we were friends and before I was a part of the collective. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So, so, how do you um, work it as a as a, a collective, or, or have you had to work to get it to work smoothly as a collective? Because I remember the first time I saw you guys was at South by Southwest, probably at least five or six years or five years ago, maybe yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and again, it was it's a tough. It can be a tough balancing act when there's a lot of members that, that are sharing the mic. And to rotate that, and again, you all kind of also, as we touched upon, have solo areas as well. How do you make a Doom Tree sh- and show work? Like, let's just ch- 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 I just br- break it, it down like that. Is there uh-huh. kind of a you know that in 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 in, in the, the middle third, you can kind of chill for a bit because that's when when yes. Mike's at the front or when yes. you know when everyone else is doing their bit. Is it that kind of planned out and natural, or is it? Yeah. I mean, I think, so there's, you know, when we're making a set, let's say, for a Doomtree show, I mean, there's a couple of variables to consider. One of them, right, you is divide like... divide up who's got yes. a mic time. Do you like, like, well, you've done three songs that are your main thing now. Absolutely. And because I, I think when there's two or three people, it's no big deal. Like, you'll be mm. back up to bat in a second. But we've yeah. got five vocalists. So if you're not, if you don't pay at least some mind, it's possible that there's one person... Just stood there for like Standing long. like an idiot with yeah. a microphone that he or she does not use yeah. for like 25 minutes worth yeah. of time. So so the first show we did in London... The stages aren't easy places to, to hide either. Exactly. You know, like, so you're in a spotlight, totally idle, you yeah, know, for yeah. 25 minutes. Yeah. Now, the first time that we performed in London when it was a, uh, supporting Yellow Wolf, yeah. I remember thinking, um, I think it was the third song before I had a, a speaking part, or yeah. a speaking part, before I had a verse. And so yeah. for the first two songs, you know, I'm just dancing around and, you know, you're drunk enough. It's, I wasn't wildly uncomfortable, but I'm ready to... Yeah, to go to when go. it's my turn yeah. so I walk up there and I start rapping and I get a huge applause and I don't think it's because they were like wow you're so brilliant I think it's because they were like the backup dancers rapping <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? hadn't realised they're no. literally like yeah. oh my god this is unusual that, that, I mean that must yeah. be an interesting thing for you specifically within the dynamic then because being the only female right. on stage right. even when you're not rapping there's going to be a level of attention that, that you're pulling in I mean I made a conscious thing after a while of me and Dan working together there were points where he would be going nuts and cutting it up alive on his synths and drum machines that I'd make a choice to turn to him yeah to turn to him or to really drop back because the fact is I'm a six foot four guy with a beard so regardless of if I'm not doing anything there's going to be a level of attention being like what's that guy doing or what's going on when it's like no this isn't my this isn't my moment I kind of so how do you you feel on that do you have to step back or are you like ah fuck it I'm gonna I'm, I'm, dr- I'm drinking this attention yeah, in yeah, screw yeah. you guys I mean, I think, take I think, it off me <laughs> I think all of us are pretty I think all of us through trial and error yeah. and some you know significant trials and some significant yeah, yeah, errors yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Um, are mindful about where the eyes ought to be and if we find too at what time and if too many of them are on us then to chill out whether that's because like okay two nights ago in Brighton I wore a red shirt and then I realized yeah. that everyone else was wearing grey shirts yeah if I'd had a clean grey shirt I would have preferred to wear the yeah, clean yeah, grey yeah, shirt yeah, yeah, just yeah. because it's like and we're all, we're all cats with laser pointers right it was yeah. a shiny shirt and it moved when I moved you know so so that's a distraction potentially yeah. sure um, I get that but yeah I think I think most of us try to make sure that to the best of our ability we're not like you know you don't want to undercut somebody else's moment yeah. so we use a lot of like if the stage is big enough the dude who's rapping, you know, they've got the total center stage. We pull, pull, yeah, way back. And yeah. if if they're going off and and everybody's looking at them, then we can afford to move and dance a little we'll bit more it, yeah, without yeah, feeling yeah. like we're yeah. I love that. I love the intricacy that that goes into it. And it's a it's a rare. There's not many a rap groups now in general. I was going to say with five members or with this or with that. It's like no, just rap groups. There's not Period. many times where there's five people who are all on the mic. There's loads of times where like there's people like the Roots, where there's a lot of different people doing a lot of different Stuff. things, uh-huh. but five front people 
you know that's that's kind of a, a rare thing so it's fascinating to know the intricacy and to learn that art form so from learning that how was it then to to, to do your solo shows because the, uh-huh. then your solo records come out after the Doomtree stuff initially so initially you joined Doomtree and had stuff there and then you did and there's a, some so solo I th- records I think was initi- that initially, a lineage I'm not sure you know it, it was kind of a jumbly coming together but I think initially yeah. it was actually that most of us would write songs solo and then felt like we could combine our, our yeah oh this bit fits in there and this exactly or we could just combine our draw at a live show if you play yeah. a show then I'll or sorry you play a song I'll play a song so it was more yeah. like we're a group because we like each other and we hang out and we make some music together but we didn't have like uh, a musical catalogue that was really really well yeah. integrated it felt sort so of more potpourri n- and nicely the though at times to be that exact thing of I'll do a solo song, then you do a yes. solo song, then we end with yes. the song where all of us are on it. Exactly. And so now, you know, ten years later or whatever, we, we do have a catalogue that's yeah. really well integrated. So, you know, we can say, okay, who should be up? We need a song with... Is is there ever any contemplation of anyone bringing in any of their, their solo stuff now you've got a full back catalogue? Or does does that happen? We even? do, yeah. Usually what we'll do, you know, we play long sets. Yeah. Um, so I would say most of our sets are something like between an hour and 15 and two hours. So there's time usually to do a bunch of crew songs. Yeah. And then usually the question that'll be asked backstage is, is this a one solo song night or yeah. is this a two solo song yeah, night? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll each pick a solo song to play. That's wicked. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So uh, we've obviously gone right into the spoken word and rap but you were saying at the start how your initial passion was 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 literature and and fiction and you've written like you've you've had several books books published uh all right so number one at what point did that come back to the forefront and number two how amazing did that feel to 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 get that yeah i mean you know, well, like you said before, it's funny in some ways how a performing poet is going to have the easier time getting yeah. something in ink yeah. than maybe someone who's like really focused their attention yeah. on mastering that whole pen and paper thing. Um, for me, I was something that I wanted to do. wasn't sure how to get there. Took this kind of you know circuitous route into spoken word and then to rap. Fell in love with both of them and root, and then realized several years later, like I still want to do the prose thing. And yeah. and to, I I think I'm. I think I'm good at it. So I put together a small book, and I said, "Hey, Doomtree, let's let's start a press for books." Yeah, and yeah. so we just called it Doomtree Press, and we just decided that anything Doomtree does is Doomtree, you know. So whether yeah. Doomtree puts on an art show or, you know, does a, a monologue, like I think we're just gonna figure out like what are the resources that that artist would need to like make that happen. Yeah. But yeah, when That's I held amazing. it for the first I time, I was just like, "Yeah, on top of the world." That's awesome. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. He- have you also done some t- some teaching and and stuff like that? Because again, having come having having the background of actually doing good at school and stuff, and learning, right. you know, and learning and being taught. You, yeah. That, what was your choice and route to kind of give some of that that back and reinject that into? I mean, I, it's interesting. Into the arts, yeah. I guess. I like academia. Mm. It's bougie. It can be totally douchey. It can be snotty. But at its best, I agree with all of those things. You yeah. know, and I, I acknowledge that. So yeah. I'm sort of like conceded, like conceding yeah. that. But at its best, the kind of rigorous thinking that happens in academia, where you're really asked to consider what you think, support it really well, and then have people push back against you really hard. Yeah. And every once in a while, you say, "Fuck, God, I've been wrong for five years." Yeah. And you reconsider something major that you wouldn't necessarily have ever found yourself in that kind of like really, really aggressively being challenged intellectually yeah. as you are in Completely academia. So. People, so many people don't seem to realize that one of the most rewarding things can be being proven wrong. To kind of learn that, to, to develop and learn your own views and opinions away from what you've just, you've surrounded yourself in your own circle who all agree with totally. this, to then suddenly go shit. That's amazing. That's uh, holy shit. And, and it's uh, fine. It's, it's fine as well. You and know, not, not people only that, struggle but it, it to realize it's yeah, okay. It makes me. I think it makes me, in in the best way, like a, a, a rigorous skeptic of the things that I'm learning. I feel like I'm a better learner. Yeah. Because of the training that I got there. Yeah. yeah. I'm better at like, partic- I like traveling a lot, yeah. and I'm better at like encountering ideas that are really different than my own. You know, whether mm. it's in 
Istanbul or in Morocco or in South Africa and try to find a way to find some common ground with someone and then build from there and get to a point yeah. in our conversation where I can ask, hey, can you tell me about the niqab veiling? Man, it's yeah. a complicated thing where I live, the way we, yeah. we talk about it. What do you think? How yeah, does this work? You know what I mean? Like, hey, listen, I, in South Africa, we've been reading a lot about like Nigerians being killed. Like, what's the... What's the deal? What's actually happening? Is it's, this an economic thing? Is this a race? Oh, it's not a race thing. It's fucking it's money, isn't it? It's often so far like, after you get out of education that you realise that the having, again, teachers, obviously, it's a broad term because they vary in quality, but having someone to ask these questions is what, again, like when I was at school, I didn't realise what an amazing resource hmm. that was to be able to say, even just, as I said, I'm, I'm into this. I'm enjoying this kind of this area of this art form to have someone to engage with and teach you more and challenge more rather than just right I need to just start researching which can be such a you can hit a wall so quickly totally dry too right yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's it's an amazing thing so that must be yeah to be able to continue to engage in that yeah it's got to be hugely positive and develop you in all areas of your of your of, of your work because it's all areas of your thinking that's you know? exactly right yeah i feel like it's less like what philosophers do you name drop and rap song you know yeah. that's yeah, okay yeah, not that yeah, many yeah, but yeah. but i feel like it has informed the way i see the world and obviously the way i yeah. see the world has informed the way I, you know that i make music in yeah. a lot of ways it just feels like i got to i got to zoom out it feels like i have a much I have like an aerial map on which to place my ideas and evaluate them yeah. that I didn't have before. Yeah. So yeah. you spoke there of kind of of of, of, of studying and or increasing your awareness of goings on in the world and in different and obviously in America there's a lot of things going on at the moment and rap often gets mm. looked to for for activism in those areas. Um, it's a fascinating thing just watching how different MCs have. have approach and embrace that Atalib Kweli is one of my favourite people to just watch on Twitter because mm. mm. half the time I think he's being a complete dick because he'll uh-huh. be so harsh sometimes I'll be thinking you're amazing and doing it but he will argue with everyone day like in day out like really engage how important do you think it is as someone even even not even in rap as someone who's speaking consciously and intelligently and publicly on things how important do you think it is to personally be to get involved in these these situations, to speak on things that are going on in the world, and to be active. Yeah. What's your kind of view on that? Because again, it's it's a very thing. I don't. Yeah. I don't necessarily. It's, it's it, it boils down to, to, to kind of the philosophy I have on charity. I think charity can be a wonderful thing, but I don't think there's ever an obligation, or there should be an obligation for charity. And I think that's the way our society has changed recently. That we now kind of go, oh, you didn't uh, do the ice bucket challenge. Oh, you don't care. Oh, you're a piece. Like there's guilt over. Maybe I donated everything I earned that week to to that charity, but I you did it know. privately. It's, n- yeah, it's none you of your know. business. So, yeah, what's your kind of 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 of, of belief on that? Because again, I think there's extra pressure on people who have a public voice. And maybe extra extra pressure on MCs because yeah. of the like traditional marriage of activism and yeah, completely and hip hop. I think that in general. So this is less like where do I fall in the spectrum as it is like a general statement of obligation and yeah. more responsibility. I think that an artist is allowed to make art for art's sake. Yep. Yeah, I get that. As an MC, as a painter, anything. That said, I don't think that making art excuses you from the general moral obligations you have by virtue of being human. Yeah. So, like, there are some there are some charitable causes and some um, and some organizations that I that I ride for really hard. Yeah. There are some that I realize, like, you know, I'm. If someone were to ask me ten hard questions about like their financial performance that year, right? Yeah. Hey, Dessa, I've seen that you've partnered with XYZ organization that helps uh, literacy in India. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know that some of the reading materials that they were handing out are not culturally appropriate for the kind? Con- okay, I hate the I hate the feeling of being busted, and I hate yeah. the idea yeah. of do- doing like a public do-gooder thing if you mm-hmm. don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. I hate that idea. Yeah. So, I think that. I tend to be more selective. So, like, when people are, when they say, as I'm sure you get on Twitter a lot too, like, hey, retweet this. Yeah. It's an Indiegogo account for, whatchamacallit, it's a petition for. That unless I'm really informed, like, I want to make sure that I don't inadvertently spend the credibility yeah. that's slow to earn and that I'm going to need when I've got a really great organization. And, I, and I need to cash in all of those and, chips. I mean, equally, you know? I think if you're someone that 
retweets or pushes a different charitable cause every day. You dilute the power that you have to help any charitable cause. I agree with that. So you'll, you'll again, if it's every day, then people are after a week people aren't going to look at it whereas if every now and then you're like right this means a lot to me and equally i think people mistake number of followers for number of influence on a particular subject so again if i'm like if someone hits me up saying oh Oh, i've gone through this recently can you tweet about it?" it's like to be honest that's a really personal thing and if you tweet about it to your 200 followers who are your 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 fucking friends and family Mm -hmm. they will be so much more moved than me tweeting about it as an outsider to, to a load more people, if you know what I mean. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think personally, it's something that I engage with um, selectively when I feel like I'm informed, mm-hmm. and also like when I've got the resources to be able to help. Like sometimes I think it's surprising to a lot of like uh, charitable organizers that like, hey, Death, will you play a headliner show at pick a you know someplace that holds let's say between a thousand and two thousand yeah. feet? Okay. And then we're gonna donate that money. We're gonna make a lot of it. Yeah. And part of me is like, this is why it's difficult. Not no, but this is let's let's think this through. Yeah, I've thrown shows and I've never done any cancer research. Yeah. you've done cancer research. Yeah, yeah and you've yeah, yeah, never yeah. thrown any shows. Yeah. But if you throw a show and you're trying to learn how to promote, ticket, market, flyer, it might not be that you're very good at it on your very first time. Yeah, we might have a really big empty room. Yeah. It might be easier for me to say, "Hey, I've got a big show coming up." Yeah, you know. Yeah, let's put this together. Let's. Yeah, yeah. or I'm happy to privately write you a check. Yeah. And tell me about what you're doing. If there's something, you know, if there's an online initiative where you've really, really done the work of making sure that you've got an emotional story to tell that resonates with people, send me that link. Maybe I can tweet it out. Maybe I can explain, like, hey, it's Tuesday. Let's all give 10% of whatever we make on Tuesday, you know, to this organization if you've got a compelling story. But it's, I think it's harder than just saying yes. And I think you're right. When you say yes too much, each of them means a little less sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Completely. So, I mean, we're almost at the hour mark, and I should let you a sound check at some point. Um, let's kind of wrap up with yeah. number one, what's ahead, and number uh-huh. two, where can people keep up on what's ahead? Because again, I think the beauty, the thing that excites me about all of the Doom Tree lot is there will always be something I discover that 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 one of you fuckers is doing that I never knew was happening or never knew was going on, and it's like so. There's always a, a lot going on. As, 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 yeah. So, what's ahead for you specifically, yeah, yeah. and for Obviously, Doomtree are touring for a few weeks. So, Doomtree is going to be gearing up for our next round of tours in support of All Hands, which is our most recent disc. Yeah. We're going to be doing that at home in the U.S. on both coasts and in this up and down the center of the country, too. And then I'm going to try to sneak in one more European tour Excellent. this year, man. You know, nice. it feels like the first year where we've had, or I've had some traction as a solo artist yeah. here, and it... It felt amazing. So, yeah. I'm hoping to come back and capitalize that before yeah. the end of the year. And if people awesome. want to, you know, follow along or see what we're up to... Um, doomtree.net is where to find info on all things Doomtree and I, I'm, I do more probably Twittering and Facebook so I'm Dessa Darling on Twitter yeah perfect cool well thank you very much dude thank thanks you for chatting that's, that's been lovely um, thanks yeah, for your questions I'll let you get, get on with Soundcheck and okay. we'll talk again soon okay cheers thanks. That was Dessa from Doom Tree. What a lovely chat. What an intelligent woman. It was, it was great to have that discussion. There was a lot of questions in there. I was glad I got to ask and put to her. Um, and I feel she answered everything articulately and wonderfully. So it was good. And there was a lot of, 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 of shared of views and opinions there, which is always nice. Like when it's someone you've not really chatted to or met, there was a lot of times where she would say something that I'd be like, that's, yeah, that's, that's literally my view on this and vice versa. So that was cool. Let's talk quickly about the secret podcast on Friday. Um, I've wanted to do this this for a while, but it feels odd to do a podcast and not promote it. But I really appreciate all you guys that listen regularly and pay attention. Um, and when we put the team a three W t shirts up, which we don't talk about online, we only talk about here. The fact that they flew out and we had to do a second order immediately and get more in just blew me away and it made me really proud of the kind of the relationship that we have through a podcast. This is sounding really weird and hippie, but I genuinely mean it. Um, So I wanted to do a special podcast for you guys. So on Friday, 
I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it felt right after the Doomtree one. Um, yeah, there's going to be a special on, on Friday, but I'm not going to talk about it online. It's just going to come up and you can listen to it and it'll be, it'll be there. I might mention it in a week or two or in the week after or, or, or whatever, but initially this is just for you guys and a little secret extra podcast. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, please subscribe, automatic download, all things like that. Subscribing will be handy f- for this secret podcast, in fact. So that's worth doing, surely. Um, but yeah. I think that's everything I have to tell you for now. Thank you very much for tuning in. We've got loads more guests in the pipeline. It's exciting times. But for now, this has been episode, what, 46, did I say? 46 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Hit me up at Scroobius Pipio on Instagram and Twitter um, or facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. And yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. See you in a bit. (laughs) 